Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Southside Rabbi. I am Amin the Dream. And first of all, before we even get into it, yeah. let me introduce you to this man right here. K to the second letter. This man right here is your pastor's pastor. <laughs> That's who this man is. And the thing is, he's not even a pastor. <laughs> KV. It's so brilliant that your pastor, your pastor, Yours. is calling him, <laughs> saying, hey, man, hey, brother, I got this sermon that I got to preach on Sunday. I just wanted to go over these notes with you right quick just to see what you think. Yeah, just give me Just give me a little something on there. Just give me a little mustard. <laughs> give me a little sauce. Uh, a little I just want to know what you think about this, wow. right? This is your pastor's favorite pastor. Um, I'm talking about Kevin Elijah Smooth and Groove Burgess, true theologian for real. Don't leave your Bible around him for real. Now listen, CSB. When CSB came to us with a sponsorship, this is who they wanted. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is this is really who they wanted. Shout out to CSB. Shout out to our sponsor, one of our CSB. proud sponsors. We yes. love their translation because yes. before CSB came on on the scene. Uh -huh. Our sponsors were a little shaky, bro. Oh man, we had we, we had, had Ray we had Ray Ray's malt liquor. Ray Ray's malt liquor, and, ninety percent uh, liquor, only ten percent right. malt. Yeah. Gotta get it. <laughs> Gotta get it. <laughs> we had we, we, we had, had the John, Easy Reader Study Bible, right. a, an entire version <laughs> of the Bible that is written in three sentences. Right. Yep. We had, we had to promote this thing yeah, somehow. We had John John uh, John O's Crab Shack. John O's Crab Shack. Yeah, that, and, that was and, a big one. Uh -huh. people, people were getting sick eating uh, that stuff. So absolutely. I'm glad that we have better sponsors, all because of this man right here. And his Amen. ability to be able to break down the text. Wow. So this is Kevin Elijah Smooth thank and Groove you. Burgess. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and and, and let me just, I'm not even going to try to compete with what he he did. I just want to say I've had a long run. Uh, I think I had like five <laughs> episodes in, in a row. You've been five and folks oh. said that I was, I was killing the intro game. Yeah. But I have been outdone <laughs> yeah. consistently today. And I'm going to, you know, put my hat in hand and take my <laughs> L and sit down. Let me just say that I love this brother. One of my best, he is my best friend. Uh, and if he needed a kidney, I would give him mine and help find somebody. All right, Bruh. take that. <laughs> but it's not about us today. It's not. It's not. T -t today is not about us. I mean, right. it's it not. is not about us today. Listen. We have a dignitary. Oh my gosh. The show. We have. I mean, someone. When, he, when he arrived, there was flags on Listen, the front of the car. There was flowers that that followed him as he was walking in. That followed and preceded him. There was literally people throwing flowers so that his feet could not just touch the and ground. I, and, and I don't even know where the people came from. I didn't. I didn't never. Are they hired? I've never seen these are people. they interns? We just got done talking about interns. Yes. They're mine. Who are these people? They're mine. They said. Pave the way, greatness has arrived. Uh -huh. When I tell you that when he walked into the room, the there temperature was. actually went down. Yes. Mm. It went down because mm. he literally breathes in the atmosphere okay. when he steps into a room. We are talking about a man's vocal cords that were imagined in a heavenly place oh, I mean, before the foundation the, of mean, the earth. The vocal cords were tickled by the fingertips of God himself. The Lord, the Lord he, tuned he played him. He tuned his tunes. Him. Wow. He tuned him. He literally, he, he had one of those tuning sticks. He was yes. like, bing. Who are you talking about? Yes, Michael Archangel's like, yes. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it. Yahweh. Yeah. That's it right there. You did it this time. That's the right tone. Yes, we are talking 
about none other than Mr. Mr. This is how we do it himself. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. One of the most iconic songs of all time. Absolutely. Timeless. Oh, God. We are talking about the man, the myth, the movement, the demonstration, the voice, the experience, the voice. Montel Jordan, make some noise Lord. for our guy right now. You cannot be talking about me. <laughs> there has never been an intro, I think, in my 52 years of grown folk life that has paralleled what just happened right there. Brother, it was only right, though. We, we, we mean, cannot take to, any credit oh, for doing the right thing. You I know mean, what I'm saying? <laughs> it has been done. What's up? How y'all doing? We man, are well, man. Welcome good. to the show. Thank you for... Uh, Coming down uh, to make some time for us at Southside Rabbi. Montel's actually in concert at Amelie Arena. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And by God's grace, he was able to pull some strings. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we were able to, you know what I'm saying? I had to had to do, had to jump over some hurdles. You know what I'm saying? But we Listen, were able when to you get... my pastor's pastor, <laughs> you can get stuff done. You get had stuff done. to use my authority, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, that's what you said. Uh, but thank you so much for coming to be with us. So we yeah, want to so badly talk about two things. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about your testimony because Montel mm -hmm. is uh, is pastoring. He is a devoted follower of Jesus Christ, has done mm -hmm. some powerful things in his life. Amen. And we also want to talk to you about the music industry. We want to talk about yeah. Def Jam. We want to talk about this is how we do it. We want to get into all of that. So, brother, can we just start a little bit with your story? Can you just talk to me a little bit how you became, you know, this superstar and and the journey into that and and kind of to where you are now for sure well you know as i'll find a place to just kind of jump in there and sure. then just feel free to jump in and ask me you know as i'm navigating mm -hmm. we'll through do. that we'll do uh, born in south central la california LA. Uh, mom has me uh three days before her 18th birthday mm. uh not married so i was the product of baby mama drama back in the 60s mm. where in african-american community if you um get somebody pregnant and don't marry them. That's looked at a lot of different ways, especially in the church. Sure, sure. Um, that was my upbringing. I uh, did not realize that I was even, uh, you know, I had a, a dad, Mr. Jordan, raised me my entire life. Yeah. Uh, but didn't realize I was adopted into the name Jordan until I was like 16 years old. Really? So I was originally born Montel Deshaun Barnett. Huh. And wow. did not know that until I was 16 years old, that huh. my name was changed to Jordan right around the time I was two years old. Wow. So incredible blessing to be able to have inherited uh, a, a dad, not even understanding what that looked like before a man to come in, give his name, give his legacy, give his everything to me to be a Jordan. Sure. Uh, it gives me, I think, just a glimpse of Gentile to... You yeah, know, to being sure. grafted yeah, in of what yeah. that looks like of Amen. of being brought into it's the powerful. into the faith or whatever. So Amen. that was kind of my journey in, in that aspect. So I grow up uh, in South Central LA. Uh, we was poor. You could call it lower middle class. Growed up right in uh, South. Growed up. Growed up right in South Central Amen. LA. Fourth Avenue, Slauson. You know, about nine blocks from where the Marathon, where Nips. Mm -hmm. uh, a shop would have been located right on the, the corner of, of uh, Slauson and, and Crenshaw. Wow. Uh, I literally, that's where I would walk up to catch the 210 bus, you know oh, what I mean, to go mm -hmm. to where I was where I was going. And so uh, South Central L.A. was crazy for me because as a kid growing up, right in the mix of uh, Crips and Bloods, mm -hmm. 
uh, it was crazy because I had a dad at home. Yeah. Whereas in that neighborhood, you know, Crenshaw High School, we call it a Cripshaw High School. Wow. Was right up the block. And mm. then if you went a certain certain amount of blockage a certain way, then there was blood territory. And so it was literally like, call it a minefield. Right. But literally, it was like you're growing up knowing where to go and where not to go. So you kind of stayed on your block. You knew what to wear. You knew certain things about the neighborhood that would allow you to kind of move through the, you know, through the hood, you know, in certain places. I can remember, you know, just super crazy memories as I'm sitting here talking or whatever. I remember uh, the rolling 60 Crips or whatever. Like, I was never... I was never a gang member, but I was always affiliated sure. because I was around them, you know, all the time. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I, I had guys that would give me two finger handshakes or whatever wow. because the rolling sick, that's what they did or whatever. And I, I was never forced or posed to actually do that sure. because I had a dad at home that I knew that no matter what circumstance was going to happen to me in my hood, Whatever my dad was going to do to me would be a lot worse than whatever wow. was going to happen in the hood. So shout out to Mr. Elijah Jordan we see uh, for you, being my dad yes, and yes. for uh, for doing that for me. Beautiful. Uh, so so grew up always in church. It, church doors open. I'm there. Sure. You know, I, I think from the time I was about nine or ten years old, that's where I was started to take uh, piano lessons from our pastor. Okay. I never learned how to play music uh, per se by reading music. Mm -hmm. I tried but I learned that I had the gift of playing music by ear. Mm. Uh, and so what would happen is my my pastor was training up musicians. So me and a couple other people, Shep Crawford, who were going to be a super producer. Sure. Now he's pastoring uh, the Experience Christian Ministry out in California um. now. Uh, but me and, and a lot of those musicians, we were trained how to play by ear because musicians were super expensive back then in the James Cleveland era and in the commission era to be able to start raising or to find musicians. And so my pastor back then, Pastor Richard Stubbs of the Carver Missionary Baptist Church in, yeah, in South Central right. LA. I know that's right. Uh, he basically <laughs> raised up musicians to be able to, this was funny, dude. I only really started out playing in like four different keys. Mm -hmm. And it was because those were the keys that he used to get, you know, yeah. ooh, I think I feel my help hey, coming Pastor on. Hey, Pastor Sean gonna know about that. So G, A flat, B flat, like take those me, were his take keys. Take me to my element. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And then rock with switch keys yeah. and all of that. So, nice. Uh, but learn to play music by ear. And I think that was uh, a place of where I, I can remember God would be speaking to me at a very young age. He spoke to me through people. Yeah. He spoke to me through music. Yeah. And mm. I didn't know it was him back mm. then because it was very religious you know, growing up in, right. in that Baptist setting, I didn't sure. know about relationship with God. Right, right. I literally knew about religion and that's what we used to do. We used to make that happen. And so you chained up this, these church musicians, church pianists, and I could be uh, hitting the keys and doing what we need to do for the A and B selections. Sure. And when the pastor comes up and he's about to deliver his message, we would leave, go out the backside of the church, walk down to Coco's liquor store, get the chili cheese Fritos. We uh -huh. knew time-wise how much time we had to get back before the, so I was always around church. Right. I could I could say I, I was in church, but church wasn't in me. Ooh. So that's kind of how I was brought up being around it. And because of uh, being in the Baptist faith, we didn't really do the whole Holy Spirit thing. You okay. know, was, that was kept at a minimum. And so okay. I never knew about relationship with the living God. I never knew about relationship with Holy Spirit. All those different things were sure. really foreign to me, man. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. that's kind of my upbringing. I was yeah. a church kid brought up in that whole world of, 
when people wanted to be at that time, you wanted to be an NBA ball player or you wanted to come out of the hood and, and join the WWF before right. it was a WWE. Right. right. You know, uh, th- sure. there was all these different things you aspired to be. And people would always say to me, boy, you're going to be a pastor one day. What you going to minister one day. Mm. And I would be like, nah, you miss God on that yeah, one. Uh, because yeah. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> know who you <laughs> hearing from. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, I don't think Name that's God. <laughs> that's not God. But, but, uh, but even back then, I think there was words spoken over me that I would minister, that I would speak, that I would teach, that I would preach that I would sing, that I would do those things. But I didn't want to do those things sure, because sure. I wanted to go the route of what I thought fame and what fortune sure, and sure. all those things were. So you are you, you, in L.A., gifted, um, and, and people are even recognizing the giftedness there. You're being shaped by ch- uh, church culture, yeah. solid daddy in the home, helping you to navigate the, the world of of living in LA, particularly in the eighties and nineties mm-hmm. mm-hmm. at the height, at the height of a so, lot of so culture. I'm so yeah. glad that you, cause every time someone talks about that, we want to know what is happening in relationship to the bloods and crips. I'm glad you did that. What was sort of your entry introduction into the music industry? And also was there any kind of overlap with what was happening with death row and sort of what was happening in, with the West coast, oh, yeah. East coast kind of mm, situation. Yeah. Can you bring us into that? That's a great Dr. question. Yeah, that's, 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 a really that's, that's a great question. <laughs> all right. So I was in the height, in the mix of all of that, of what was going on. So uh, I don't, a lot of people don't know uh, this story, which is, which is, I guess, pretty cool. But uh, I went to Pepperdine University. I was able to, to, to get, uh, to study communications, minor in business. And while I was in school, I was also trying to figure out how to get, you know, singing in dorm rooms and trying to figure out how that would eventually maybe one day lead to the music business stuff. Yeah. Um, one of my uh, fraternity brothers, I, I joined Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated during that time when I was in my college years. Gotcha. And one of my fraternity brothers, a guy named John Singleton, mm. who is who is no longer alive. Legend. Rest his soul. Uh, John mm. Singleton at that time was working on movies like Boys in the Hood, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. And so I got to see scripts and, and parts of what he was doing before those things actually came out. Wow. John had a company called New Deal. Uh, and so I, I graduated from college, kind of sorted. That's another story for another day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I come out of college. I'm working with a company. I'm doing night sh- nightclubs and shows in Los Angeles and in, in uh, Pasadena, California. Shanice Wilson's uh, uh, mom, Crystal and Penny, were hosting a showcase, uh, and I would go and sing there. And Budweiser Best in the West Talent Showcase, mm. all those type of things. Mm-hmm. I'm like hitting the circuit, trying to get that that record deal. John Singleton is interested in me because he's a fraternity brother and because he does movies, but he also is starting to branch into music. He's got New Deal Productions and uh, he's starting to do mm-hmm. New Deal Records. Sure. And with New Deal Records, he's trying to get guys uh, like me, uh, guys like Mr. Grimm, uh, Endo Smoke, uh, Warren G, like all of these <laughs> budding from the West Coast artists with Dre, all of that was starting to pop because Def Jam had New York City on lock. Right. And you had a bunch of stuff happening in coming out of New York and now the gangster rap scene is doing its thing out on the West Coast. And yeah. so... I, I was kind of a, it was just funny. I was a rapper before I was a singer. And a lot of people don't know that. Wow. I would be at Six Flags, Magic Mountain. I see Cyphers. I would hop into the Cypher and yeah. I would go. I had I had bars and I would get it. Yes. Uh, and, and then between rapping and singing, that's how eventually I was only able to get my record deal because I would be. I would be rapping and it was like, nah, but you rap. Yeah, you got to be doing gangster rap. And so I was like, that's not my upbringing. I got a pops at home. I know gang culture, but 
I'm more affiliated than than in it or whatever. So right. I couldn't do that. And so I started singing. But even my singing, I emulated other people. Mm-hmm. Like I knew how to sing. I could sound like Michael Jackson. I could sound like Luther Vandross. I knew the key. I knew all of those different things from emulating other people. Right. Wow. But did not know how what Montel Jordan sounded huh. like. And huh. so uh, that is how I started to craft my sound by taking hip hop rap lyrics and then singing those lyrics and so from that standpoint i'm gonna give you just a quick example uh when i did a demo tape for john singleton i did a song that went on my first album the demo tape uh was a song called back in la where i sampled a bb king blues record Uh. with this dope guitar riff sure Mm -hmm. and i wrote these rap lyrics and i sang them and the song went like this Damn, it's good to be back home In city streets where I used to roam The neighborhood has changed But somehow it stays the same Liquor stores on every other block I see my homies so I make a stop And though I'm tempted I won't fall back in the game My next stop is filled with love Because it's moms and pops I'm thinking of And as I get closer I smell the barbecue And as I step into the yard My grandma shouts out praise the Lord And so do the honeys It'll be so cool. Oh, all right, so that, and then it goes to be back home, back in L.A., where I belong, back in L.A. That was a sample, B.B. King singing back in L.A. So, sidebar, what I just sang that, so do the honeys, that's where something for the honeys came from later on on my first album. But it came Mm -hmm. from taking bits and pieces of that right there. And so, long story short, I would rap and sing, I would rap and sing, and then John Singleton was interested in trying to do me as a West Coast version of what was happening on the on the East Coast. Paul Stewart, DJ Paul Stewart, DJP, hey. was a huge, huge factor. White boy from from uh, South Central, dope, dope, dope guy. He was John's A and R for New Deal. Yeah, but somehow they started falling out, and because Paul was doing the music side of his company. All of the relationships, even though I was a fraternity brother with John, Mm -hmm. all my musical stuff was through Paul. Uh, Warren G's stuff was through Paul. All of the artists were going through Paul. Mm -hmm. And so when they started falling out and that thing kind of disintegrated, I'm trying to come up. I'm trying to figure out how do I get on? How do I get put on? I'm calling New Deal. You know, can I speak to John? Oh, John's busy right now. Okay, can I talk to John, you know, on a Thursday? Yeah, he'll be in on Thursday. I'll be waiting, 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 eating Top Ramen, living in, in uh, North uh, North Hollywood, can't pay rent. I'm on Social Security. Like, I'm getting the, the checks, and, and I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. And I call on Thursday. Oh, John's not in the office. He'll be back Friday. Okay, ah. I, I call John on Friday. Oh, John left for the bill. He'll be back. On my- this happened for months, dude. Wow. And, and John's my guy, you know, like I said, rest right. his soul. But he was into film and music wasn't his thing and then Paul would step in and be like yo so John help you yet and I was like nah man but I'm rocking I'm rocking with John and so this happened for months and months and months and finally Paul was like look if you give me your demo tape I'm gonna take it to Russell Simmons in New York City and I, I I think you got something man just give me the demo wow and so I went down to the corner store got one of them little ratty plastic cassette tapes yeah. like the real cheap ones that you would get or whatever color it was see-through with the mm-hmm. rainbow uh-huh. colors on it and I did the rattiest version of my demo that I could find and I gave him uh, Paul that demo and Paul took the demo 
And whatever he did with it, whoever he played it for, he said, I'm sending you a ticket to New York City. I never traveled before. He sent me a round trip ticket from New York, from L.A. to New York to come out and to meet uh, with Russell. And so nice. that's how I got put on to Def Jam through DJ Paul Stewart through a demo tape. Wow. That's deep. So shout out to John because right, I right. would not have met Paul had it sure, not been sure, sure. him. But, Paul, you know, John was a filmmaker. I mean, he's right, a right. genius filmmaker and Paul at that time was his right hand uh, that was handling all his music sure, and sure. so all of the all of the Def Jam West all of those artists that came through that uh, Warren who was Dr. Dre's cousin mm -hmm. or whatever all of those guys we were brought in to be a representation of West Coast music brought into Def Jam so the Def, Def Jam, Jam was trying to expand out to the West Coast man. that's how so, we got in that's, that's powerful that man. is powerful I was Russell's rap singer Right. When I first got on, he called me his rap singer. That's rap how singer. he introduced me. This is my rap singer. Yes. Wow. Which kind of pioneered a, a, a whole right. style. I mean, now. the rap singing style. You feel what I'm saying? Um, so you, you get to Def Jam. Um, one of the things that we know, given doc documentaries like TLC, uh, given... Uh, the, uh, the the movie Why Fools Fall in Love. Uh, yeah, also, yeah. in my I'm I'm just an artist and been in the music industry <laughs> right. for 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 ten years. Just an artist. Labels. Yeah. You know they don't jerked. always give you. I got jerked. That's it. Yeah. You want to get? How was the deal? I got How jerked. was the deal? I got jerked. They did you. They right, did so, you dirty. So here was here was my here was my deal. Oh no. And let me let me start by saying this because there's always artists out there like they want to know how do I get a deal or what do I do mm -hmm. or how so let me just say this first of all I got jerked on my deal but understand it's a deal mm. uh -huh. and by the very nature wow. of the word a deal is normally what you agree to right mm. my uncle would say a good deal is where everybody feels like they get screwed a little bit. Like, <laughs> I'm doing a deal, I'm giving this up, you're giving this up, this or that. That was not what happened with me. Uh, and all respect to Paul Stewart, I, it, was not a, it was not a great deal for me because I was offered out the gate $120,000 to do my to do my project. This yeah. is back back then or whatever. And right. so when they came to me with 120, I was like, okay, that's a good starting point. You know, um, let's go back to the table, negotiate. I had a lawyer. Let's go back and you know, let's do this at you know at 300. You know, mm -hmm. you said 120. I said mm -hmm. 300. And it was like, no, no, no. You don't understand. It's going to be 120, or you don't get the deal. There, there is no there negotiation. Is no negotiation. Yeah. yeah. So I took the 120,000. Def Jam actually, I think, did the deal for 360, for 360,000. Mm. But Paul got his, uh, his piece of the pie. Right. Shout out to Paul Stewart. He got his piece or whatever. And I was able to do that first album, the This Is How We Do It album with 17 samples, all of that. It was probably 20 something samples on the entire album. Mm -hmm. uh, but I did that album uh, for 120. And I took wow. the first advance from that, that first 40. And I built a studio and got equipment or whatever sure. so that I could put the project together. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the project comes out mm -hmm. on the Def Jam. And at what point did you realize, oh, this thing has just went like, like this, we, we going to the moon. At w w what point <laughs> yeah. was that clear to you? My wife is a G. Okay. That's how I answer that question. My, my wife is a G. That deal was seven albums or 10 years, whichever came first. Sheesh. Man. Yeah. Um, and that very first album, because the money 
advance was so low. This was, wasn't like, oh, we're giving you a million. This wasn't right, that. Right. I used every dime of that trying to get artists and trying to get features and paying, clearing samples, all of that. Yeah. That first project, we sat down. This is where I learned about recoupability, too, as yes. well. I'm sitting at um, Morton Steakhouse in California, the whole label is out there, you know, everybody eating steaks and this and that. I didn't realize all that was recoupable to me back then. <laughs> yes. That's it, man. Recoupment. Hey, Learn no that before you get good. your deal. Yeah, uh-huh. No idea. You paying for uh, all of this. Thank yeah, you. Everything. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> get another you know, drink on there. But, but, I'm, but I'm sitting there and the label said to me, what are you thinking about this project? How do you think this, this what are you expecting? And my wife, like, she was like, Oh, we're gonna sell a million records. And you were married at the time. I was married, but we didn't say anything. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because that was a, that's a whole nother story. Right. Okay. But um, you know, it was a people don't want an R and B artist who's unattainable, and people right. don't want a manager, uh, or they're not gonna respect a manager who is the wife. Mm -hmm. So we exactly. we yeah. hid that from the. But Def Jam yeah. knew. Yeah, yeah. Def mm -hmm. Jam knew. Mm -hmm. uh, but basically, my wife says to them, or Kristen says to them, uh, we're gonna sell a million records. And yeah. they laughed around that table. Like the, the company laughed. For like, real. Like, come, you're, come on. you're a new artist. Come what on. are you thinking? Yeah. You know, she's like, no, no, we're going we to sell them in records. And the company was like, listen, you're a new artist. If you can sell 300,000 records as a new artist, that will be a big win. Like, like that'll be huge if you can do that. Colossal. And my wife was like, yeah. We're going to sell a million records. And so that was like the big rub. And so what happens is when we start with Def Jam and we start to release in the single and everything, this is when you would actually release actual singles. <laughs> yes. Right. They had like printed like 500,000 singles. Uh, they only printed like 150,000 albums of my album. Sure. And so when my album, when my single dropped, when this is how we do it, dropped, which was about three weeks before the album dropped. Mm -hmm. The single dropped, and like the first week, the single did like 60,000 singles. Wow. And then the next week, it did like 70,000. Yeah. And then the next week, it did like 90,000. Yes. Now understand, 60, 70, 90, they only printed like 500,000. Ah. Yeah. So they're going back to the single now, and they started printing more singles Can I up. just stop you real quick and just, I just want to give a piece of context for the audience. Don't let those numbers just blow past you. Right. Oh. <laughs> to be a new artist, nobody knows who you are, and you drop it in the first week you do, it, and, and to know that it was $120,000, we're talking millions of dollars to break a new right. artist. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Uh, something special was happening. It was yeah, big. I just don't want folks to miss that. Go ahead. Yeah. It was big. And so the single starts blowing, blowing up, and then the album drops, and the album comes out and does like, 60,000 in the first week. Yeah. And then the next week, it does like 80,000. Huh. This is the album. Yes. Yeah. Singles doing, <laughs> albums doing. All right. So this stuff is blowing up. It's starting to move up the charts like crazy. But they don't have enough albums they because they only ah, printed 150,000 yes. albums. Right. Yeah. So people going to get the Montel Jordan, this is how we do an album. There's no albums left. So they buy the single. So now the single's doing 130, 140,000 a week. I'm not right. talking streams. That's We're talking not real sales. I'm talking people right. buying a 99 cent or, yes. you know, or spending $10, $12 on an album. Right. So the single is blowing through the roof. It starts going to number one. We're making a killing with that. Uh, and But we don't have enough albums. And it's going to take them a couple of weeks. And so right. the company, this is Def Jam's first 
number one record. So when it goes to number one, they want it to stay at number one. It stays at number one for like eight weeks. Uh-huh. Uh, and so what they do is they just keep selling singles. And you dethrone Madonna at that point, too. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> funny. You know that because there's, there's, sto- there's a funny story behind uh-huh. that. But just to, to circle back while I'm telling that story is because when my wife said we're going to sell a million records in my deal, in that $120,000 deal that was not a great deal, the, the two things that were great about that deal was they said, well, it's 120000 This is all the money you're getting. Kristen asked for two things in that deal. She said, if we sell, um, if we sell the, the 300000 that you're talking about, I want you to get my, you know, get my husband this truck, you know, big black truck that he's uh-huh. always talking about in his songs. Yeah. They were like, you know, cool. And if we sell a million records, I want you to pay his college loans off. My college loans at the time were like 86000 at Pepperdine University. Uh. And so both of those things happened. Yeah. And so I got my big black truck and yeah. my college debt was completely <laughs> nice, wiped out. Nice, wow. Nice. So, nice, she nice, was prophet. Wow. Sell a million records and we making the dash. Yeah, she <laughs> that, do. That, 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 she that's do. what happened. That's yeah. what happened. Yeah. So this is how we do it is going through the roof. So I imagine that you start touring now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. So you're, you're, you're touring the record now. What's kind of happening in, in, in the world of, you know, because I, I know you, you know, and you're playing this in different cities. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about that. Touring was crazy. Touring wasn't, when my record was popping off and it was on the charts and, and hitting really big, I went over to Europe, which mm. was good and bad at the same time. Mm. Because normally when you got a number one record, you're supposed to be on Saturday Night Live. Right. You know, you're supposed right. to be on the Tonight Show. Like you're supposed to be doing that. But I was overseas you know, doing the whole polygram distribution, all those different Spain, you know, all that was happening there. And so I missed a lot of opportunity to make the record even bigger Um, in the United States uh, than it was. Uh, Mm. At that time, the tours that were going out, um, my wife was trying to get me on the Budweiser. I think it was a Budweiser. uh, It was the Budweiser Superfest. Okay. One of Al Heyman tours back then, super, super big. Uh, And Boys to Men was going out. Boys to Men, TLC, Mary J. Blige and my wife said, we're going to get Montel on that tour. Mm-hmm. And Def Jam, once again, was like, D- it doesn't work like that, honey. You know, uh. it, it doesn't work like that. Uh, and literally somehow my wife was able to reach out and, and speak with Al Heyman and, and take lesser money, figure it out or whatever. But I was the opening act for the Budweiser um for the, that uh, Superfest Super tour. So I opened up uh-huh. uh, and then it was uh, Mary J. Blige and then it was TLC. Yeah. And then the boys to men were the headliners. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then as that tour went out, most of the end of uh, 94, all, all, most of 95, um, uh, what happens, Mary blew up bigger than she had already been. And mm-hmm. so she went on her own tour. Mm. So it was just me, TLC, and boys to men. Uh-huh. And then as we went out for like another month or two, my girl T-Boz, mm-hmm. her, uh, her sickle cell started flaring up or whatever. Uh-huh. And then TLC mm-hmm. had to leave the tour. Right. And so then it was just me and boys to men. And they never added anybody else on the tour. Oh, wow. It was just me and Boys to Men. And we traveled for about a year and a half Dang. on that Superfest tour. Right. Me opening for Boys to Men. Wasn't wild, there an incident man. on that tour when you did you fall? I almost died, yeah. Wait, what? Talk to yeah. us about yes. almost dying. What what yeah. happened there? I think you, <laughs> you fell and hit your head or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. That's so what what happened? It was like a miracle. It, 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 oh, there's no question. I I say Boys to Men saved my life. Jesus saved my life. But boys to men had a lot to do with it. And, yeah. and here's here's that here's how to go. I'm gonna try and keep this super, super okay. super brief as best I can. 
Um, I toured with these guys for a year and a half and I never saw their show. I was a hustler. So I would come out, I'm the opening act. Mm -hmm. So I would come out, I do the opening act stuff. And then after I'm done, I had photographers that would set up my backdrop and we would sell pictures and stuff like that. So here's the hustle. Uh, I would take pictures, you know, like you take photographs back then, Polaroid. Sure. Yeah. Polaroid mm -hmm. was an actual piece of plastic that a picture would Polaroid. be on. Polaroid. So you could and if take. If you was really real, you, you would get a black Sharpie and write your, your That I would did. be your caption at the bottom. No, I'm telling you. Oh, there it so, is. I, so the photographer that, that I would take on the road uh -huh. would bring me the, the little picture holders that you would slide a picture into. Right. I would pre sign my name oh. on these. So I'd sign like 200 of these. And then right after my show, I, I would say, yo, I'm coming out to take pictures with everybody. And then I would literally walk through the, the crowd and they like, yo, that's, he's actually that's out here. Right there, right. Right. And I would go stand in front of my backdrop and instead of charging $20 for a picture, they charge 40 for a picture because you there with the actual right, artist. Right. So my man would break me off 20, he'd take 20 and that was my, my side hustle on top of that, right? Nice. So I nice. do this every city, Every, you know, Kevin Lodge, you say to me, you want to know how to how to sell a million records, touch a million people. Mm. And so that was my way of uh, having a point of contact of trying to touch, you know what I'm saying, a million people in that's that way. That's a gym. Hold on now. <laughs> that's a gym. Let that marinate and go ahead. Okay. And so I'm signing out. I'm, and, and because of that, that year, year and a half that I did that, I never saw Boys the Men show because right. I would hustling. be hustling or right. whatever. Right. Last show, Vancouver, Canada. I'm finally like, yo, I want to watch the Boys the Men show tonight. I'm in the actual audience. They got a space for me and my dancers. We watching Voice to Men's show. It's my first time watching their show from, you know, uh, and it's amazing. And mm -hmm. I'm watching them. And my dancers at the time had planned a practical joke. They were going to prank. They had cans of silly string. Okay. And during the time on Boys to Men's set, when they do Motown Philly, mm -hmm. my dancers are going to run on stage and, and get Boys to Men with these cans of silly string. So literally... During the concert, while Boys to Men is doing Motown Philly or whatever, my dancers come out of the audience, run up kind of on the side of the stage with silly string and silly string all of Boys to Men. And they're like, oh, this is crazy or whatever. Yeah. We travel for a year and a half together. So right. it's relationship. It's right, right. Yeah. So they look up, up into the crowd. They like, yo, Montel, yo, get up here. Montel, get up here. So I come out of the stands or whatever, and I'm walking and I kind of walk down this little pathway and I get onto the stage with them. They got live band and everything. So we start doing a mashup of Motown Philly and this is how we do it together. Motown Philly's back. This is how we do it. Doing a little coming from the west side. It's cool. I'm on stage with boys to men, yo. What a fantastic way to end this two years of being out on the road together. Right. After that's done, that moment is done. They shout me out with love, this and that, the other. So I am now walking off the stage. I walk around the front of the stage and I walk around to the back of the stage. Now I'm at the back of the stage. Now if you imagine that this is the entire stage here, mm -hmm. I'm all the way, I hope these cameras can follow yeah, me. Yeah, right? But I'm, I'm all the way on this side, looking all the way backstage. It's super, super dark. Uh-huh. Uh, and there's a red light down on the end, like a, like a, look like a police sound right. light, but it's just a little light and it's uh -huh. just spinning. It's red. It's pitch black back there, except for that light. And then I can barely see way on the other side of the stage, all of my dancers that were on stage, they're all down there on the other side, crouching down, going like this huh. with their fingers in their ears. And I can barely make out. I'm like, what is going on? And I realized that light is about to signify that pyrotechnics is about oh! to go I never seen that show. So I don't know what's going on. Oh. And so when I, the moment I figure out what's happening, this loud explosion goes boom. 
and it flares seem like they start coming at me. I guess that's where the, everything is kind of locked. It's coming from behind me and in front of me. And I see these flares start to come in at me, these explosives. And so I saw them with the hands and the ears. So my first inclination is cover your ears. Right. And so I lean back against the wall, but it wasn't a wall. This is the curtain that's the back of the stage. And the stages normally are six feet off the ground, right? Yes. So when you build up the platform, it's normally right. standard six or seven feet. So I literally put my hands in my ears and I Amen. lean back against the wall and there's like a curtain and I literally fall through the curtain oh. with my hands in my in my ears and I fall six feet to the floor where I can't break my fall because right. I didn't know it was coming. And I literally fall back to the concrete floor with my hands <sighs> on up by my head. My dancers say they just saw me and it just looked like I just disappeared or whatever. What? So now they're coming, they're, they're trying to get down because they can't just jump back. Right, they got to go right. out and go down the stairs to get to me. During that time while that's happening, it feels like forever because I am now realizing I'm on the floor. I realize that I've fallen and I'm trying to think to myself, am I dead? Like, did I, did I right, die back right, here? Right. And I'm like, this is all what's going through my head. I promise this is what's going through my head. I'm thinking to myself, when I was growing up in South Central, they could say you get shot and you wouldn't even know you got shot until you saw the blood. Mm -hmm. I was like, maybe my head bust open, but I don't know because I don't see the blood yet. Right, right. So I'm laying there on the concrete and so I try and turn my head so I can see if there's blood near my head. Is there any mm -hmm. blood? I don't see any blood. Okay, so maybe I didn't bust my head open, uh, but maybe I'm paralyzed. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm laying here and maybe I'm just gonna be paralyzed for life or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I'm now trying to move my, all oh, this is what's going through my right, sure. split quick. second yeah, or whatever. But in works. my mind, it was like, this is just taking forever or right. whatever. And then finally, I think people came around, they were able to make it back. My wife is back. And and during that time when I am back there, what I what I can hear and what I'm told is that they let boys to men know that I had fallen off the stage. They turned on all the house lights in the entire stadium and they asked everybody to pray for me. Wow. They asked everybody to pray for me. During the con like concert stopped, right. lights clicked on. Dude fell back on stage. They can hear ambulance coming after a couple minutes. Da da da. da. Pray, pray for our guy. And I believe that that prayer is what saved my life wow. because the ambulance came. They they put me on a cart. Right. Uh, because you know they got to be real, real delicate. They put me on a cart. They, you know, guys actually trying to take pictures with me while they put me in the ambulance. Wow. You know, you got you got to seize the moment. Yeah. I get that. I but <laughs> but dude, I did not have a concussion. Mm. I had no marks on me, mm. like nothing happened other than me having crazy headache and tra crazy soreness right. because in three days we were going to get on a flight to Australia that I was going to start my Australia tour. Yeah. So all of that happened. I should have I should have died that wow. night. But I believe when you got 15 to 20,000 people that all can come into agreement to pray for one thing specifically that it can change something. And mm. I believe that that's how my life was saved wow. that night. Praise so God, shout out to man. Sean and Wanye. Shout, yes. and all the shouts. Shout yep. out to the boys, the men, man. man. What a powerful yep. and story, my, man. All, all my guys. I feel like they helped save my life that night. Bro. Amen. God, Amen. Man. Well, talk to us about how you, you, so you, you, you know, you know, a height of career. At what point did, you, you know, the ministry mm. become something that was beckoning you that you were like, yo, my destiny is actually in ministry yeah. um, outside of what I'm doing, you know, mm -hmm. you know, on the road. So, w w and 
when did your faith? I know you said before that the church, mm-hmm. I was in the church, church wasn't in me. When did that change? The the music business was dark, man. And we were Christians in the music business. Right. So even doing this is how we do it, even with the cussing on the records, with everything, we were still tithing, we were still attending church and trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Like torn, trying to figure it out. How can yeah. I do this? How can I be in the business? And right. so in a very, very dark business, we were still probably the closest thing to Christianity at least outward Christianity. Like my wife gave Mary J. Blige her Bible. Wow. Like there were moments that I meet people to this day that'll say, yo, I was on tour. I was working the radio station with you. I was a, I was interning for Def Jam and for this two years, I was running you through Virginia. And I remember us sitting down and you were schooling me to about being in church and this. I remember this conversation about finding your purpose. So even not knowing I was doing ministry, Mm. I say, I didn't go to seminary. I went to cemetery (laughs) Uh, and, and meaning I had to go to a place where I had to die differently to be able to come alive again and know what my purpose was. And so even today, a lot of my purpose came from doing ministry in unorthodox, non-ministry-like places. And so the music business was my church almost. It was when I came in contact with artists. I can tell you a night that I was with uh, TLC. I was was with, in in particular, with T-Boz, with Chili and... I was praying with uh, I was praying with Chili before a show or whatever. That's my girl. We in NA together. We were praying, and uh, T. Boz was walking by. He's like, "Hold on, don't just be praying without me. Like, I want Jesus to, you know, let uh, me let me in there." You're like, they, they, there were these moments that mm-hmm. I can look by defined moments in time where I've been with artists. Uh, my guy, um, getting emotional. My guy, mm-hmm. Biz Marquis, just uh, mm-hmm. you know passed away. I was just yeah, at his funeral. Was. Biz, his wife Tara, their, their family, whatever. I used to pray with Biz out on the road and we would tour together. I could see when his body wasn't, you know, right or something was wrong. Uh-huh. Me and my wife, we'd be out there and we'd, we'd lay hands on him and, and just be praying over him. And he'd go out and kill his show. Like I have tons of stories of being a pastoral presence in the midst of the music business, wow. not even recognizing that that was part of the call. So although I, I know that the local church is the hope of the world, I believe that. I believe that there's a pastoring call uh, potentially for me to possibly do that as well. Um, I don't know what that looks like. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm praying through that even now, you right, know, right, right, honestly. Right. Uh, but in that, I realized the call of what you are asking that question, when did that hit? It's always been there, wow. but it just hasn't been there in the local church in a particular building. Per sure. se. It's right. been wherever I go, I'm trying to make sure that when I step into a room, that people know that I am walking with shoes on that I didn't buy and that that's the, the shoes of Christ are what I try and walk in, sure. those shoes of peace, those shoes of there's something different about this guy. When Amen. he walks in there, something changes the sure. room. And I don't know, he's, is it his charisma? Is his wool effect? No, it is not that. It's none of those things. I've always known I had that. And I think that's what sustained us in the music business, even with the mistakes I would make, mm-hmm. even with the detriment I would bring to my marriage, even all the devastating things that we had to navigate through to be a part of our testimony. Sure. Right. I do believe that God kept us through that so that we would be able to to talk about it at Man, a later time. That's powerful. That's powerful. It's just making me thinking about a it's making me think about a friend of mine um who's a massive, massive uh writer, artist himself. Um and uh when he was really he, he was starting to get really serious about Jesus and and I was talking to him and he was saying, man, I'm thinking about just like being done with all of this. I think I'm just gonna mm. leave the music industry mm. and just be out of here and maybe go to Bible college or something like that. And uh, I was like, 
I don't know if you do. I don't know if you right. do that. Don't do that. Right. Uh, <laughs> don't do that. Because uh, you you said that last night after y'all got off stage, you you led Bible study with your whole non-believing band. Right. You think that you know it'd be better for you to just leave all of them <laughs> and then go and, and and go go you know coop up at a Bible college right. somewhere. Put yourself in a bubble of yeah, Christians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, mm-hmm. there is something powerful and regular because mm-hmm. the the regular Christian experience is what you just described. Exactly. It's really the it's 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 unique when folks leave everything to you know kind of only be within a bubble. Right. Of, yeah. We need that. That's good. No question. But we certainly need individuals who are incarnational. Right. One of the things about the music industry is that it is it is hard on marriages. Oh. It is hard on marriages. Personally, that's just music industry. Period. Not yes. Christian so music. I'm, not, yes. not, right. I'm talking about right. the music right. industry. Just, yes. And it's, it's an important thing to remember that even as, you know, we are considered, uh, I'm a considered a Christian artist and I'm a part of a, a label. I've been, I was a part of Reach Records and then now I'm a part of Provident, which is a emanation of Sony. So mm-hmm. Sony owns yeah, Provident. Provident. Uh, it's still the music industry. That's right. And it, it's, uh, and, and you, you, a lot of times, especially in the Christian music industry, it's the same players. Mm-hmm. You got, you know, you, you're on the same roster as these other artists. Uh, Radio stations are in the same building, same building, different yeah. floors. Right. And- it's just, there's a lot of um, you know sort of intersection, and you're gonna find the same problems. Of course. I know, there's an artist in my mind right now that I'm thinking about who probably gets on the stage drunk every single night, mm-hmm. singing songs to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I, I I know marriages that are just on the rocks. Dudes yeah. can't wait to get back on the road again to get away from their family. And because they they're sick of all the the or whatever they are not managing or whatever the issues may be within the I've just seen it be it's very rough it's on the mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I have in some ways I've had a lot of dudes that have went before me, Lecrae being one of them mm-hmm. that that saved me I think from a lot of the the spider webs I was gonna walk into right and say hey this is how you put some stuff in place you take some time off. Cap your salary, right. you know, um, uh, make sure that you rem- remember that every opportunity you get isn't the last one. One thing mm. that Lecrae told me that has always been helpful for me is that there will always be opportunities. Yeah. Do not think because you got this opportunity that it will never happen again if you have to say no. So I'll sacrifice anything yeah. to go wow. do this thing. He said, yeah, no, yeah. hold it loosely. As long as you're good at what you do, you're right. going to have opportunities to do it. Right, right, you know, right. So, so what you need to be asking yourself is how can you stay good at what you do? Right, yeah, yeah. and you, it's That's hard good. to stay good at what you do when your 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 kids hate you and 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 you haven't <laughs> seen your wife in six weeks. Right. So so there's a there's a, a kind That's of good. you know thing that we have to be aware of. How particularly how did your marriage sort of kind of walk through the fire of being in the music industry and not smell like smoke, which is crazy. <laughs> so so there, there's two things I want to address here. I, I want to say this first before I, I particularly ask that because you talked about. Uh, opportunity, yeah, uh, and what you what you've said, what Cray has said, also a dear friend. Uh, there is a difference between opportunity and responsibility. Mm. God gives us opportunity, yes. He also gives us responsibility. It's good, and a lot of people will take the opportunity above wow. the responsibility. That's good. I had an opportunity to lead worship for a hundred thousand people at a concert, uh. but I had a son. Who at the time had a football game. Uh. Mm-hmm. Now, I asked the people who gave me the opportunity, 
Can I go on the show earlier? Nope, you can't go on the show earlier. Can I go on the show later? Nope, we need you right here. But my son has a game right here. Yep, we understand that, but this is an opportunity to perform in front of 100,000 people and bring the gospel. Yeah. That's a big deal facts. to bring the gospel to 100,000 people. Facts, facts. But that's not the responsibility God uh. gave me. He gave me the responsibility to raise my son. Sure, sure, sure. And so I had to shun this opportunity to make sure I was taking care of the responsibility. And when you can show your faithfulness to the responsibility that he gave you, then he gives you more opportunity because I was able to go wow. see my son, watch him score a touchdown, right. came back to the concert that night and then and then sang with Mac Powell as a headliner. <laughs> Whereas before I was supposed to be in the middle of a show. Right. And now I'm at the end with the headliner yeah. because God said, because I know you handle your responsibility, I can trust you with opportunity. So with that being said, really now that to circle back to the question about the marriage, um, let me just I always throw powerful. this out on the table like this. Uh, I was an adulterer. Mm. I wasn't just like a one-time cheat on your wife, adulterer. I was a travel around the world for five to six years struggling as a guy who loved Jesus but had a void of Holy Spirit that allowed me to experience loneliness where I would go on a stage and have 50,000 people, mm. Georgia Dome, 70,000 people screaming and warning you and wanting to be with you and all of that, knowing you married, don't give a damn. They want you. They want a piece uh. of you. They want a part of you. Uh. And then come out of that and take that into a hotel room or wow. onto a tour bus right. by yeah. yourself where you come from that outer rate. People were not designed to carry fame. That's good. Somebody's people, got to say it. People good. were not designed Man, to carry good. Fame, and you will watch it self-destruct over and over again Always. because when you carry fame, it's something that we weren't designed as humans to be idolized. We weren't designed mm. to carry that. And so if you don't have the template of being able to take that fame and carry it and then take that to make the name of somebody else more famous than you uh, to woo. give that thing. I, I get this picture, man. I get a picture of God. And they talk about, I think it's in Revelation. I'm not sure, you theologian, so you probably know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but there's this picture of the the elders taking their crowns off mm -hmm. and laying them at Jesus, laying them at the feet of the Father. Just, oh, holy, 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 and just taking it off. Um, and I always get this picture of when people do that, when they come to you and they put this crown on you, oh, you the king, oh, you this, Monte, you this and that. I take that crown and I lay that at mm, God's feet in that man. way. And I say, this is yours. Yes, yes, yes. And then I feel like because he loves me, he says, you my son, boy. And he puts the, you get on out there and get him. And I go back out there. And the people, they do that. And every time that I can continue casting my crown, and I continue to put it at his feet, he says, but no, I'm the king. And I can, I can make you what I need you to be wow. because I know you'll bring it back to me. Right. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. that's what would happen. And so in our marriage, man, um, that was so a journey good. of people casting fame onto me that I was not designed to carry. Yeah. And you start to implode. You start to go through depression. I put on gang of weight. Mm -hmm. I was in sin. I wore that sin outwardly and inwardly wow. uh -huh. because I was trying to hide my failures. I was trying to hide all those things. And the only way that I was able to get to a place of getting to healing was uh, I got outed. I got outed by friends who loved me enough mm. that would eventually say, 
if you don't expose this to your wife, we can't continue to be friends. And not only that, if you don't do it, we will. Wow. And at that point, I was like, okay, this is not something I want. It wasn't like I wanted to continue sinning. I was that dude. I would sin just a little yeah. And go back to Jesus and be like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Heal me, God. Fix me. Da, da, da. Yeah. And then I get healed and I, I get fixed or whatever. And then three months later, I fall back even deeper. Yeah. And I go back to the cross. And then a couple months, I fall back deeper. No Holy Spirit, man. I had no keeper, dude. Uh. And so literally, I finally got to that place where I'd fallen so many times that it's just I'm wearing it in weight. I'm wearing it in sin. I'm uh-huh. just wearing it. I'm, I'm talking about it in my songs. Oh, uh. right. When I'm looking at you, keep thinking. Why can't she be like you? So I'm scheming. I can't go on like this. Believing wow. her love is true. Wow. Standing on the dance floor while she tricking. You are all I want, girl. She's a chicken. We might be together, but love is missing. Girl, I want you. So what can we do? Girl, if it's all right, let's go somewhere and get it on tonight. I got a girl, but you look good tonight. Uh. It's one. Like all my songs. Wow. I am singing, you know, stepped in the club after my show. You know the spot where everybody's on the low low. That's when I saw her. She saw me. She told me she liked Master P and Montel occasionally. So I laid back, put a 50 in my mouth, said, I want you to see Shaking Girl. That's what that about. All the niggas in the club, they was jealous of me because I waited for it. I stayed for it. I'm damn about to pay for it. Let's right. Like, I am. I am. I am in sin, dude. Wow. And this is not just like, oh, he's just so dumb. Like, I am living this thing out and I'm telling everybody, I'm destroying my marriage. I'm destroying my life and I don't have a way out. Uh. And people are just like, yo, give it, you know, give him a Grammy or, or, you know, just get to the award show or whatever. And so that pain, dude, I navigated that with my wife. And here's how it came to the front. Talk to us. I, I realized that when I was given that ultimatum from people that love me, you tell her or will tell her. Yeah. I was thinking, if you tell her, I die. Uh. If y'all tell her, because Kristen Jordan, like, like, I'm not gonna live through this. I, I know that. <laughs> you tell her, that's I'm, death. I'm hang life up. If I tell her, I may have to. You know, we get divorced. We, we split up the kids on different weekends. We rotate. I, I give you, except you know the, you know we didn't. I didn't do a prenup. Any of those things. I, I just like, but I live. Yeah, I live 50% of the life that I had, mm. but I get to live. And so yeah. that was the, the standpoint that I took. And so I go to my wife and I exposed to her what I had done. That was hell. Oh, it must right. have been. It was hell for her. It was liberating for me because for years I've been carrying this sin all to myself. Oh. And now I have unloaded all these details, all this sin onto my wife. So now she's carrying a load that we were probably meant to try and figure out together for Mm -hmm. years. And I've unloaded this onto my wife. My wife has the opportunity to leave, like legitimately leave, take half. Half. He did this legitimately. There's record of it. Every place that I've been, leave and take half. And she asked the same person that outed me, what do you think I should do? And those people that out of me said, did you pray about it? And she's like, no, I ain't pray about it because I, I, I think I know what God ain't is going to say. pray about. <laughs> I think, yeah, you know. And what, what God basically reveals to my wife, and I know this is for somebody out there that's watching this. Come I on. know this is for somebody out there. Mm-hmm. God says to my wife, why leave and take half when you can stay and have it all? Mm-hmm. That's what he says to her. Wow, wow, wow. And her response to that is, but how can I ever trust him again? And his response to her is, 
I'm not asking you to trust him. I'm asking you to trust the me in him mm. because I've never been in him like I'm going to be in him before. Remember, I started out this mm -hmm. this podcast and I said I was in church, but church wasn't in me. Uh, right, right. Like I knew the technical things to do. Sure, I knew how sure, to usher sure. in the presence of God through musicality. I knew how to, I've been, my lifetime has been used to use music, the gift God put in me, but not for the purpose that he put it in me for. Oh, right, right. So I'm using the gift, the beautiful gift of music, of I'm using it to entertain people wow. right. and not using it to draw people closer to the presence of God. Wow, wow, wow. And so in that time, my wife basically goes through the, the difficult process, she and I, of figuring out what life looks like after infidelity, what it looks like after adultery, what it looks like after forgiveness, what all that is supposed to look like. And so now, just fast forward, because I, I can't go into the intricacies of what God does there, but now me and my wife do marriage ministry together. Oh, mm. Now listen, that doesn't make sense. That, <laughs> that, the foolish things of the world, yeah. uh -huh. confound the wise, because that doesn't make sense that yeah. a multiple adulterer and his wife are now leading pastors and leaders and couples all over the world to take divorce off the table Oof. because of that testimony. And so that's what the music business did for me. It, it provided me a cemetery opposed to a seminary. It provided me a cemetery for things of Montel Jordan to die but for like Lazarus, for God to raise up the things in me that needed to live so that people can see when I step out on a stage today, dude, I'm, I'm modern day Lazarus, dude. I'm a dead man walking. Say that right, and right. people see me and they're like, yo, I know that guy, but there's something different about, yes, yeah, yeah. I was dead. Yes. And now I'm when you and you yeah. saw you saw me when I was dead. Right. I sang for you in the club. You yeah, saw yeah, me yeah. dead, and now you see me alive. And there's something that's it, you recognize that because you look like the same guy, still fifty and still beautiful and handsome and sexy <laughs> and all. Because God preserved me, and I didn't have a stench coming out of that. You know what I'm saying? Coming out of that grave, uh, grave clothes and everything. I came out as though it never happened. And so that's what happened to our marriage, to where now we get to minister to couples all around the world through Marriage Masterpiece, P-E-A-C-E. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, man, who would have thought? That's powerful. Ah. Who would have thought? That's powerful, Dr. Jordan. I'll tell you this too, man. Last night at, at Montel's concert, mm -hmm. he's on stage, 10,000 plus people in the room there in Emily Arena. Mm -hmm. He's doing his hits. And uh, he stopped, started telling people about the gospel. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm fairly certain that you're probably the only person doing that 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 night. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it, it, just even the way that you you pitch the heart of God to the people, like in, in showing His compassion, His love, and His longing, um, and 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 being a testimony of this is who I am. This is what God has done for me. Man, and it speaks to the power of grace, man. Yeah, man. And, and, and one of the phrases that, that we use sometimes in our community is the scandal of grace. Uh -huh. mm. That grace makes fools out of the reasoning of man. Mm -hmm. no makes sense. fools out of. Right. No sense. This this sense. Not that guy. Right. It can't be him. Not her. Yeah. It, it can, not looking like that. Not after what they've been through. Not after what they've done. Not that person. Right. Not that. And, and, and grace says, I don't, What? The, the, the more room you give me to flex, the more glory mm. I will take for myself. Amen. Don't play with me. Right. And man, I'm, it's, just, it's just so faith assuring, man, to, see, to sit next to Lazarus. And, right. and I, I, it's so funny. <laughs> I just preached a few weeks ago on Lazarus. And then I said that. I said, you don't need to just go to the, the story of Lazarus to see Lazarus. I'm Lazarus. Yeah. I, I stand in front of you as, 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 as a Lazarus. And, uh, 
and I feel like we may have been dead for longer time. So yeah. I might have been dead yeah. for four days. Right. You might have been dead for three years. Right, yeah. right, right. But yeah, yeah. man, when Lazarus comes out the grave, man, it is a and it's so funny you talked about the stench not being on you. Because that's one of the things that that Martha was saying to Jesus. Don't listen, don't open this. Right. If you open the grave, it's gonna smell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The grave is open, and guess what? There was no smell. Right. It was a man that was alive, bro. Right. Yeah. So it's just yeah. like powerful, powerful explanation point on the power of grace and the power of the gospel man amen brother tell tell our uh, uh our audience um a little bit about some of the things that you're doing uh now and how we can support you pray for you where to find your mm-hmm. stuff that kind of thing as we conclude that's dope man thank you first of all thank you for your platform man because y'all are you man you're doing your thing and, and, and it means the world to, to have voices speaking into spaces you know, where you got all types of folks that are watching. I, I, I'm, it's my prayer that people that know God are watching this, but people that don't know mm. yeah, yes. are watching are watching this and yes. are listening to this. It's super important. Um, what I'm doing now, man, I am in a, I'm in an interesting space. Me and okay. my wife, we are in the, what are we supposed to be doing next? We, gotcha. mm-hmm. we uh, right before the pandemic in 2020, we launched our 501c3 marriage masterpiece. Okay. Uh, and we, we set out a goal, kind of marriage missionaries to go into the world and to help save a million marriages because uh. we believe that that's part of what we're called to do. So I speak, I my wife speaks, but we speak really, really good together. Like, right. like we are really powerful. We'll have both of y'all next together. time. Yes. Oh, yes. first of all, that, that, yeah, that would have been a, even that. a bigger win because right. I I known. If, yeah. you, if you heard me here. When I am talking and telling stories about my wife, it's different when my wife is actually here yeah. or when she's telling the same story yeah, yeah, yeah. because there's a different you know, power sequence that's there. But sure. uh, with that being said, uh, we set out to do that, to tour, to speak, uh, to help that happen in the world. And then, of course, March of 2020, the world mm, shut down. And so that kind of carved a new pathway for us, for us to try and figure out, OK, how do we pivot? You know, sure. what's next? And so. Part of that journey has been not how do we get out to the world, but how do we get the world to us, uh-huh. whether that's through uh, Upcoming Hopeful Podcast or whether it's through our website, which is MontelandKristen.com. Yeah. Montel is with two L's. Spell out the word A-N-D. And Kristen is K-R-I-S-T-I-N. MontelandKristen.com. Yeah. Uh, everything that we're touring, uh, every place that we're speaking, all our music videos, things we do together, um, it all points towards seeing couples reconciled uh, to each other, I love it. but first seeing sons and daughters reconciled to God. And Amen. so our entire purpose now is to see a man reconciled to God, recognizing his, he's a son, to see a daughter reconciled to God, recognizing she's a daughter. And when we are sons and daughters reconciled to God, then we can be reconciled to each other as husbands and wives and husbands and wives reconciled to God and to each other can reconcile with their families. And then their families can be reconciled to the church and the church can be reconciled to the community. But it all starts with that first point of a son and a daughter Powerful. being recognized to God. Amen. So that's what we're doing. And in that marriage masterpiece is the 501c3. People can give one time gifts there. They yeah. could be monthly supporters of yeah. what we're trying to do. We want to be able to go and take the gospel and bring people who want the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ and ultimately how to have better, healthier marriages. Yeah. That's what we are doing. And that's so powerful, man. that's that's kind of uh, what we're doing now. Man. That's powerful. And we are we are more than grateful yes. um, to be able to share this resource with our audience. The link mm-hmm. will be on will be in the description. And I'm, I'm sure that Derek, our producer, will put it 
uh, in the video as well. Um, and uh, we're super encouraged, man. So me and Montel actually have a special connection that he that he doesn't even know. I about don't know about this special at all. connection. So, and I mean, I've never told you told you this story either. So I grew up in a household. God bless my mom because she's wonderful and, I love her. and a hero of mine. She's a wonderful woman. So I'm not, and she listens to everything we do. <laughs> so yes. she's a patron. Yep. She has, she listens to all the she episodes, comments on my the Instagram live from stuff, time to time. every post. Yep. So I, everything I say, I realize that she's going to hear it. So. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> but she's awesome. um, God bless my mom. She really, really wanted me to love Jesus. And, uh, and, and, and with that desire, you know, she did the best. She she did what she thought was best. Right. One of those things was cutting me off from anything that had to do with hip hop or R and B. Wow. Or any level. It was so bad. I love you, mom. I love you. And we all we all love you. The whole audience loves you, mom. Yes. It was so bad that when all that came, remember all I loved all that. that. Yep. You remember, remember how they had the performance at yep. the end? Uh-huh. And it was like TLC the, the, and everybody TLC was on or the brand or whatever. Had, yep. She would make me leave. She would make me leave the room. The only music that I could listen to on television was the songs sung by a purple dinosaur named Barney. That was it. Mom said nothing else. I mean, she had me. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't listen to nobody. Her second husband. He loved uh, Erica Badu. Oh, when he be playing that around the house, I was ushered away. I was not allowed to, or or if he was couldn't playing that in the house, he on. would be challenged. No, I couldn't go on and on. No, 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 no. Yeah, your cipher keep moving like a rolling stone into that room. That's what's gonna happen with you. That's that's. No, go ahead. So she had me. I mean, it was just locked down, man. Uh huh. And so I remember. The first time I I know where I was standing in my grandmother's kitchen. Mm -hmm. I can almost remember what I was wearing. I remember the first time I heard R&B. And I I heard it over the phone. I was talking to, I forget who I was talking to because they were irrelevant at that point. I can't believe I don't know this story. I was talking to someone over the phone. I must have, oh man, I must have been seven or eight years old, man. Oh God. I was on the phone and in the background I heard this is how we do it. Uh, uh. Bro, I remember where I was standing in my ground. A corded phone with the curl. Oh, he had the curl. He had the, the beige curl. phone. Had the, had the joint. You had to dial like that. I had the phone in my hand. And I heard and I was like, wait, wait, wait. Well, hold on. Let me just listen. And it felt like, oh my goodness. The world. It felt like. Tell the person on the phone. Shut up. Shut up. Stop. Let me Stop just talking. in the background. It, it, it felt like somebody had took me into a room that was, as far as the eye can see, just paved, I mean, just gold coins and, and crowns. I was like, what is that? <laughs> Bro, I'm telling you, man, I, it, it was my Yo, introduction to the world. That. I never knew that So about that you. sparked a kind of <gasps> secret life of mine <laughs> where I would, mom, I don't know if you, you know this either, mommy, I love you, mommy. Oh, I would I would sneak oh, tapes. God. I had I got my Walkman. I would oh, I would steal God. tapes or, or sneak a tape, and I would go into the to the closet, make sure nobody was around. Put that tape in. I remember I had Master P, No Limit Soldiers, bro. Dog, you I had, was in, you I had, I was in oh, there, man, dog. You had to, like getting the hit, bro. Like, oh, uh, 
Uh, I would remember I would have these small gaps before uh, my mom got home from 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 work and school because she only she my mom made sure that, that I was supervised. Right. So I had like a five minute window. I would sprint upstairs, oh, well, turn on song. MTV, and just get my hit for the day. Oh, whoa, this is <laughs> wow, wow! I hear that door open. I change the the, the channel to another one. Put it on TV. Put it on TV. It's Kenneth Copeland on there. Put it on Kenneth Copeland. Turn that mug off and then get the Bible out. Hey, mom, what's going on? Bro, that's what, in the moment that I was allowed, when I was allowed and I got a little bit older, uh, there was some wisdom in what she was doing. There was a lot of wisdom in what she was doing. Because some of that stuff I didn't even listen to. Uh, But when I could listen to it, man, I would binge, 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 binge. But that was how I got introduced to hip-hop culture. That's That's how I, I I mean, obviously, I'm from from St. Pete, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I've been around the you know the you know the hood but it the, in terms of you know how we life, what dress, dress the, the, the culture. language yeah. the culture yeah, yeah, yeah. the vibe and that has had a big influence on who I am to this day I mean that's that's partly why I do what I do for a living it was from that introduction I fell in love I'm telling you it was like a shot of endorphin right that like went, where has quiet. this been what am I feeling what's happening I'm moving <laughs> It, it, it was. It was. This is how we you, do it. You're welcome. <laughs> right. That's the only. He said, "I'll have my lawyer send over sorry, dra- draft the sorry, papers." Sorry, mom. <laughs> sorry. You're welcome. What, what a song, though, for you to be introduced to that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, for yeah. real, it's a great. I mean, because for even for me, my well, of course, I didn't have the strict. Yeah, I mean, that you was basically I was he do whatever like, he wanted to do. <laughs> I mean, was at the concert at seven years yo, old. I, I had, yeah, my mom. First of all, like I, my 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 mom was always listening to music. My brother's thirteen years older than me, so I was exposed to Master P and and No Limit and Cash Money and everybody way too early. But um, I always was listening to your stuff because of my brother and my mom. And well, my mom loves music still, but like. Your especially this is how we do it. I it's it's a nostalgic for me because it takes me back to when I was a child, um, yeah. and specifically that song. You have a, a bunch of other great stuff that I love as well, but that takes me back to just my my nostalgic moments because my mom would always play it. It would be like a family song, like we're playing mm. it in the crib, we playing it in the car, Facts. we playing it on Fridays when. I just had pizza at school and mom got paid. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, I'm in a single parent household. So we we had to do our thing. But Fridays was the time, man. We threw that threw that on, man. And yeah, man. So that's thank powerful, you. man. Yeah. I, I'm man, a part of both of y'all lives. You in are, that man. In, 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 in a very yeah. real way. In a very real way, man. Make um, no mistake. Yeah. It's, it's like you said about music, man. You can feel like I know that I don't know you, but you feel a connection. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To, to the artist because... A lot of the times their music can almost be like a soundtrack to your life or a certain season in your it life, is. you know? It's time and travel. Yeah, it's time travel, it's man. time travel. We, exactly we had a moment, and you probably, like you said, you could remember where you were standing, yep. what you were wearing, yes. what was yeah, over yeah, the phone. Yeah. Like, yep. you remember you remember mom's planted right. in the house, those different moments Friday. Mm-hmm. It was for the family. Like, right. it's time travel, man. We have beautiful memories, crazy mm-hmm. memories, mm-hmm. trauma, all those different things. Music, you know, takes us back to those it's moments. I'm glad, thing. man, that I got a song that... Um, you know, that allows people to go back to a great time mm-hmm. in their lives, yeah. uh, even not in the best of times, but it was a great time right, that yeah. people can go back and say, man, during some of the funnest times of my childhood, this or that, this was a song that was playing at that time. I so, love it, man. That's cool, man. God bless you. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. This, you, we, we want this to be a partnership. We want to have you mm-hmm. and wifey back. 
Uh, yes, please yes, talk to us this, about yes. marriage. This is a, 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 an extended home here in in Tampa, man. Yes. So keep us in that, mind, man. man. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. This has been Southside Rabbi. Okay, you feel me? My name is K to the second letter. A me in the dream, and we out of here. Peace.